And so now, hear the word of the Lord. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. That was good. Uh, yeah, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors downtown, and it's a real privilege to be here with you this morning. It's really good to be with you and to be with Joseph, too. Uh, as he mentioned, I was in his wedding, and actually one of the greatest privileges for me being a part of the residency is to get to know the other residents, and the greatest privilege for me in that was getting to know Joseph. Um, Joseph and I didn't really know each other at seminary, though we were there at the same time. We had one class together. We had one conversation. We said, yeah, we're going to and that never happened. <laughs> Um, and then he shows up in Kansas City, um, and it was a real, um, real honor to get to know Joseph and to be his friend. So it's good to be with you this morning. Um, if you haven't been with us for a minute, we recently began a new series called The Story of the Spirit. And we started in the book of Genesis, and we saw the Holy Spirit as creator and how he's working at the beginning of Genesis. And then we moved on to the Spirit as new life giver, right? We were in the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel, and then last Sunday, I believe, Joseph preached, and he preached out of the Gospel of John. And John writes that the Holy Spirit is our friend. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And so this morning, based on the text that was just read, you probably got an idea of what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the Spirit as gift giver. We're staying in the New Testament, and you should be clued in that, I mean, this, this is not, um, we're talking about spiritual gifts. And, and this can, isn't an easy topic for some people uh, to talk about. And as we begin, I want to say that this is not my final words on spiritual gifts. And it's not Christ community's final word, for that matter, on spiritual gifts. I can't do that in 30 minutes. I can't answer everyone's questions. Joseph could, but I can't do that. So I just want to give you a heads up that this sermon will probably feel more like a teaching. And that's because I think there's a lot of things that we have to consider when we talk about the spiritual gifts. And most importantly, I want to acknowledge that when it comes to talking about spiritual gifts, we all bring our own background and our stories and our experiences. We bring our own lives into this room. And if you're someone who has run in Christian circles for a while, there are a variety of reactions that you could have had when you heard this passage being read. When you heard the words prophecy, miracles, tongues, 
There's a variety of reactions you could have had. Maybe your antenna's raised a little bit. In the topic of spiritual gifts, and in particular the sign gifts or the miraculous gifts, this is a topic where we begin to tread lightly. Why? Well, as I said before, we bring our various backgrounds and our experiences. And some of us have had very different denominational backgrounds. Some of us have had very particular church cultures that we have existed in and that have formed us and shaped us. Some of us hold very tightly to a particular theological position when it comes to making sense of the spiritual gifts. And I also want to point out that there are some of us here that probably don't know what spiritual gifts are. And that's okay because many of us are really confused. We're confused about where spiritual gifts begin and then where our talents begin. And how do we distinguish between the two? I'm going to keep going. Some of us think we think of the miraculous gifts like healing or tongues. We think that those exist over in Africa and we're content to, to keep them there and stay safe here some distance away in the United States. And finally, depending on your background, you might have come with some abuse of the spiritual gifts. Maybe that's your experience and you're understandably hesitant to even dive into this conversation this morning. The point I want to underline is that we all come from our own experiences. We all come with different preferences on this topic. We bring with us our stories, our formation, our positive experiences and our negative experiences, even our confusion. And I would love to share my experience for a moment. So I was raised in a really uh, godly Christian home. And I had Christian parents, but my faith really wasn't my own. It was my family's faith. And then I went away to college. And my freshman year of college, uh, I was surrounded by this group of guys. And there was this uh, spiritual charismatic revival that was happening on our college campus. And this wasn't smoke machines and lights and all that stuff. It was 50 students led by a New Testament professor and some other leaders across the campus. And when I went one time, I had an encounter with God that I really couldn't explain. And what I came to realize through this encounter was that the God of the Bible, this God of the Bible, he is not a moralist. He's not a disappointed father shaking his finger at me, telling me to do better. No, this God of the Bible loves me deeply, and he knows me intimately, and he gave his son Jesus to die for me. So when I encountered Jesus, it was really within this kind of context and culture. And before I went to seminary, I actually spent six weeks at a school that it, its job was to train people to operate in the prophetic and in healing and in tongues. I share that to, say that, to not say that I'm coming from that place this morning. That's not why I share that. Why I'm sharing that is to tell you that I have a background. I have an experience. I have stories, too, that I'm bringing with us this morning, bringing to us this morning. I've had positive experiences, and I've had negative experiences regarding some of the things I'm going to be talking about. And might I add, a decent amount of time in my seminary education was spent trying to clarify and also deconstruct some of the things I had learned in my previous ministry context. And just as a quick aside, I think there's some over-demonization of deconstruction. Sometimes we think that deconstruction is all bad, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Conversely, there's an over-glorification of deconstruction. Sometimes this form of deconstruction can make, we make a lot of epistemological leaps, and it leaves us in a greater place of confusion. My intention this morning 
is that we enter in with our time together, bringing our stories, bringing our experiences, and we gain some healthy clarification and perhaps even healthy deconstruction. Why? Because if we do that, then we can see for ourselves what Scripture really has to say about the spiritual gifts. If we bring our experiences to the passage and we ask, what does God have to say about spiritual gifts, we'll, we'll gain some clarity. And if you're wondering why, Ben, is this so important, I don't even know what you're trying to make me conjure up in my head and bring to the table here. I don't, I don't understand. Well, let me share with you some examples of popular Christian teaching on spiritual gifts that exist nowhere in the Bible. So these are popular Christian teachings that exist nowhere in the Bible. It was generated by a couple of really excellent New Testament scholars. This is a list of common misunderstandings. The first is this. A common misunderstanding is that spiritual gifts are given at the time of conversion and do not change over the course of someone's lifetime. A common misunderstanding is that Christian maturity is hampered if we don't know what our gift is. Another is that our gift defines our identity, so like a statement like, I am a teacher. That gifts are primarily linked to roles and offices in the church. That the more extraordinary gifts, like miraculous gifts, like tongues, healing, prophecy, these are indications of advanced or a more spiritual life. That's not in the Bible. That gifts have little to do with our natural capabilities. These are things that we call talents. That gifts define the character of personal ministry of each Christian. So in other words, this means that like uh, my gifts, my spiritual gifts are these things. So I'm only going to do these things and I'm not going to do these other things over here. That the emphasis on spiritual gifts may threaten the unity of a church, of the church. That the list of gifts in the New Testament are definitive and exhaustive. Well, that's a lot of misunderstanding, isn't it? And some of that might have resonated with you, some of it might not have, and that's okay. But where does this leave us? Well, we need to begin to wrap our minds and our hearts around what the Bible does and does not say about spiritual gifts. And listen, Paul does not want us to be uninformed. In fact, that's the first thing that he says to the Corinthian church. Look with me at verse 1. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul wants to help the Corinthian church wrap their minds and wrap their hearts around this topic. He wants to help us do the same. So let me quickly give you some context to the local church in Corinth. This church was a mess. And I don't think any of us really would want to go to this church. Let me give you some examples. There was infighting and tribalism, gross immorality that I don't even feel comfortable sharing up here this morning. You can read about it in the letter. Divisions about dress codes. People getting drunk on the wine in the Lord's Supper. Hierarchies based on wealth. There's more. So I really don't think any of us really would want to go to this church. And Paul is writing this letter in response to a letter that they wrote him, asking questions about these things. And Paul doesn't tell them, hey, get all your other stuff together, and then you can start dipping into the spiritual gifts. No, this is one of the things that he instructs them about in orders that they might be a flourishing church. And if there's one sentence that I hope you hear this morning, it's this. You are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit for God's mission. You are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit for God's mission. And we're going to see that amplified in three different ways. We're going to see that we are uniquely gifted, both personally and community, in three different ways. And the first way is this. You are uniquely gifted with God's Spirit for others. Look with me at the first verses of chapter 12. Paul starts off this way. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In these first three verses, Paul is answering two very important questions. The first question he's answering is this. Who is uniquely gifted for God's mission? Who exactly is gifted for God's mission? Well, Paul does not answer that by saying that the particular people who are gifted for God's mission are those who can heal people, who have the gift of prophecy, who have the gift of tongues. That's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying that at all. No, for Paul, it's much different. Paul is saying that those people who are uniquely gifted are those who declare Jesus as Lord. Every person who says Jesus is Lord is uniquely gifted by the Spirit. And why does this make sense? Because if you proclaim and profess that Jesus is Lord, and you're not saying that in like an ironic way or in a mocking way, then this means you have received Jesus as your king, as your savior. So for Paul, the profession of saying Jesus is Lord is evidence that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you are empowered by the Spirit. And on a side note, Paul is also clarifying that the Spirit of God never leads someone to say something that dishonors God. That's never the Spirit. That's a way that we can discern what is the Spirit of God and what is not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is never going to condemn himself, right? A house divided cannot stand. It's that simple. So that's the first question that Paul is answering in these three verses, that everyone who is a Christian is uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit. And the second question he's answering is this. What are spiritual gifts actually? Like, what... What are they actually? And to get to this answer, we have to dig a bit deeper. And in the original language that the New Testament was written in, there are two words used to describe spiritual gifts. And they often read the same in your translation. And that's okay, because they mean similar things to some degree. They, what to, they mean together is something like matters of the Spirit or manifestations of the Spirit. And the term spiritual gifts is really like a holding term for a larger translation. So let me give you a, like a concise definition of what spiritual gifts is. Here it is. And this is a little bit wooden, so just stay with me. Concerning the forms of action which proceed from the Holy Spirit and make manifest his agency. I know that's like wooden but it, concerning the forms of action which proceed from the Holy Spirit. So this is, this is his work, what he is doing, right? How he is moving, and then make manifest his agency. So this is what we see him doing. If we use this definition on the screen that I just read to you, it makes clear that spiritual gifts have nothing to do with just being generally spiritual. In fact, when Paul wrote this letter, he would not have even known the word spiritual. That word has been invented by the church over time. So what Paul knows is not spiritual. He's not telling us that spiritual gifts make us more spiritual. What he's saying is, and what Paul knows is he knows the Spirit, he meaning the Holy Spirit. So that's why that's significant. The role of the Spirit is not to generally make us more spiritual. No, the Spirit is doing a very particular work. What's the Spirit doing? The Spirit is doing a very particular work in transforming us into the image of Jesus. That's the work the Spirit is doing. 
So the, when we see these things, these are manifestations of the Spirit working within us, who is forming us into the image of Jesus and then revealing himself to the world around us. And this is what's also clear. The emphasis on the spiritual gifts is not on people. So they're not, the emphasis here isn't on humans. It's on the Spirit of God. The emphasis is on the abilities that believers are given through the Spirit of God. The idea of being, it being a gift can be misleading. And it can be misleading if it leads us to think that we have then special abilities that God has given us to take ownership of. No. Spiritual gifts are a way God expresses his grace to you and through you to the world around you as energized and directed by the Spirit. In other words, we have no ownership over our spiritual gifts. These are undeserved graces from God that speak to the goodness of the gift giver, not to ourselves. Peter says it this way. Look with me at 1 Peter 4. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And Paul later, says later on in our passage in verse 11, all these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Do you see? We really shouldn't say something like, these are my gifts. Like we have some kind of ownership over those gifts. We are stewards of the Spirit of God. And these manifestations of the Spirit are spiritual gifts. They speak to the goodness of God and not to our own giftedness. Paul is saying that you really are uniquely gifted by the Spirit for mission, for the sake of others. And what does this mean practically? Like, why should all of these things matter? We went into the original language here. Well, it answers this question. And th this is the question that we all have, I think, at some point in our walk with Jesus, which, which is, how do I figure out what my spiritual gifts are? So I've spent a lot of time with people who are very consumed about searching for their spiritual gifts. They need to do the right questionnaire, or the right Bible study, and somehow they'll figure out what their spiritual gifts are. And I think what we don't realize is this is often an unhelpful approach because it means that we're equating our spiritual gifts with our own identity and our own mission. It's almost like they become hallmarks of who we are, and they're not really supposed to be like that. In fact, I don't necessarily think that you have to know your own gifts in order to serve God effectively. I don't think you actually have to do that. Why? Because we don't own them. Gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. So instead of being consumed for this, with the search for what kind of gifts we have, I am much better off just by getting involved in serving. Because as we serve, our particular contribution to the body of Christ will become apparent, and it will become apparent to those who are around us and to ourselves. We'll grow and adapt to become better conduits of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and through us. And you might have the question... Ben, what about like questionnaires and spiritual gift surveys? You mentioned those before. Well, I think some surveys can be helpful to many people, but they really shouldn't be regarded as categorical. And at most, the main value of a questionnaire is really just a starting point, right? It's to provide an indication of where the Spirit might be in our lives already. And so then we, we see that as we serve. We dip into that as we serve. So ultimately, the way we discover the gifts of the Spirit is through our service to others. 
And as a bit of a side note, and this is for those of you who call the Shawnee campus your home, I think what Paul is saying here is so important for you to hear. God has uniquely gifted each of you with the Holy Spirit for others. That means that even though you are down two pastors right now, two pastors are on sabbatical, right? Tim and Andrew. Your community is gifted by God with a diverse gifting in order that you might serve one another's for each other's good and for the glory of God. He has gifted you in that way, not just through your own talents, but through his spirit. So you get to serve others, not just through your own strength, but through God's very spirit that lives in you and is wanting to manifest himself in a way that he serves others, those people around you. The beauty of this spirit is that he is the active agent. It's not just us. We just have to be a willing vessel for him. So that's the first way we are uniquely gifted, is that we are uniquely gifted by God's grace for others. We're uniquely gifted with the Holy Spirit. And second, we are uniquely gifted for a diverse unity. Look with me at what Paul says starting in verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a varieties of activities, but the same God empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. One thing is clear here. There is one Spirit, but that does not mean uniformity. In fact, the Spirit loves diversity. The beauty of the Spirit is not sameness. It's the diversity of its expression. And the church looks the same, right? The beauty of the church is not its sameness, but the diversity of the people and the talents and the spiritual gifts that God brings into this space. The scholar D.A. Carson says it this way, Dictators of the right and left seek to establish their brand of harmony by forcefully imposing monotonous sameness, by seeking to limit differentiation. God establishes his brand of harmony by a lavish grant of highly diverse gifts, each contributing to the body as a whole. You see, each of us here are gifted to exercise the gifts of the Spirit in very unique ways. And when we exercise these gifts in a particular way, we are then celebrating the diversity of God. God has given you, by his Spirit, a unique role to play in this community for the sake of others. Let me go back and read the list of gifts beginning in verse 8. This is where it kind of gets confusing, I think. For to one is given through this, this Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. How are we to make sense of this list that Paul is giving us here? Well, this is not a complete list of gifts. So he's only sampling gifts. So we see in Romans, another letter that Paul writes, is he lists other gifts. And many of those gifts aren't as spectacular as, as these ones. So in Romans, Paul lists these ones. 
He talks about teaching, encouragement, mercy, leading, and others. So in our passage, Paul is offering a diverse list so that the church won't focus on just one gift. So Paul talks about, later on, he talks about the parts of the body relying on other parts, right? So some body parts you are purposed to do these things, and other body parts are purposed to do these things, but they rely on each other for a f- body to function as it should. And so it is the same with the church, that we have unique gifts and we, we rely on one another in order to function as we should. We rely on a diversity of gifts provided to us by the Spirit. And so I'm not going to spend time describing prophecy or tongues or healing to you this morning. Christians, particularly in evangelicalism, we have debated the role and the place of these gifts. And we're not going to do that this morning. But we should always be open to the Spirit and open to how the Spirit wants to move. Because Paul encourages us to do that. If you look at 1 Corinthians 14, he says, brothers and sisters, eagerly pursue the spiritual gifts. But the primary point Paul is making here is that we shouldn't prioritize some gifts over other gifts. Some of the gifts Paul lists here are ones that we don't often talk about today. And some of you might feel like the Holy Spirit is leading you in those ways. If so, come talk to a pastor. Talk to me after the service or talk to Joseph. We'd love to walk alongside of you in that. But again, what does this mean for us practically? Well, I think it reinforces the point earlier that God has gifted this particular faith community here with the ability to serve one another and minister to one another through his spirit. God has gifted this community not just with natural abilities, which are good and should be used, but with supernatural abilities brought about by his spirit to care for and to support one another. That's beautiful. And here's a question I think it answers too. Are there gifts that are better than others? Well, the short answer and the long answer is no. (laughs) We are uniquely gifted for a diverse unity. The gifts are best expressed in extraordinary diversity. So whenever the topic of spiritual gifts comes up, and when I talk to people, I'm a pastor, so I get the privilege of talking to a lot of people, and we, we start talking about spiritual gifts. For some people, shame creeps up because they haven't seen God manifest himself in in some way that they think they should or they really hope to, or they don't have a gift that they think they want or desire. Paul says it's good to desire spiritual gifts, but there is never shame for those who are in Jesus and who God has given his spirit God has gifted us beautifully in a diverse unity, and we are so much better off as his body if we embrace how he's gifted us. It's also true that some spiritual gifts might have the allure of maturity. So, for example, people often like to look to those who have the spiritual gift of teaching, like they are somehow more mature than others. And that's not necessarily the case at all. (laughs) The person running the live stream or the person running the sound, could be more mature than the person who is up here preaching. Being in this position leads to more attention, but that does not necessarily equate to maturity. And we are uniquely gifted for a diverse unity. We are uniquely gifted with God's grace for others. And all the gifts 
have value in the sight of God's. And our purpose to be able to build up this community here. So last, we are uniquely gifted for a mission on Sunday and Monday. We are uniquely gifted for mission on Sunday and on Monday. Look with me at what Paul says in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What's Paul saying there? Paul is saying that spiritual gifts are used to bless others, both on Sunday and on Monday. So it's true that some spiritual gifts are unique to building up the body of Christ here in the gathered community of believers. Spiritual gifts are never less than that, but they are often more than that. Here's the question I want to answer. Are there differences between spiritual gifts and our talents? What are those differences? What's the distinction? Well, the distinction that Paul makes here is that spiritual gifts are not our talents and our natural abilities. They aren't things that are ingrained within us in our own DNA. Spiritual gifts are supernatural motivations and capabilities brought about by the Spirit of God. But here's the rub. That does not make them more important than our God-given gifts, the talents he has ingrained in our DNA. So when we think of our whole lives and our vocation, God very much uses both our talents and our spirit of gifts to work through us. He uses both. He doesn't separate the two. Let me give you an example of this. So when I, think, when I think we think of ministry, we often think of this kind of secular, sacred divide, and we think of pastoral ministry. But ministry, in its like strictest definition, is anything done to the service of God. So that means your Monday vocation, if done unto God, is ministry. In that respect, we all minister, and we use our talents and our spiritual gifts to serve God. So if we serve God by running a business, listen to what we use. We use a wide range of talents and spiritual gifts. We use administration, creativity, technical expertise, leadership, mercy, and giving, and so much more. I could go on. Do you see how spiritual gifts and talents and natural abilities, they rely on each other? They're not easily distinguished, and they're just kind of thrown together in the same pot. Both talents and spiritual gifts are used in ways so intertwined with one another that it's often difficult to find a division between the gifts of the Spirit God has given us and our God-given talents. The Spirit might also use our natural talents and our abilities and then heighten them and enhance them. So all that to say, the line where kind of one begins and the other ends is often very blurred. And that's okay. It's God's design that we're integrated and not disintegrated. Dallas Willard, the philosopher, he says it this way. Let's say I'm a plumber, and I'm going to clean out someone's sewer. How will I do this as Jesus would do this? If you encounter difficulties with the people you're serving, or with the pipe, or with the machinery, you never fight that battle alone. You invoke the presence of God. You expect to see something happen that is not the result of you. If you train yourself to thank God when those coincidences happen, You'll see them as patterns in your life. The crucial thing is to be attentive to God's hand, not to get locked into one-on-one thinking, it's me and this pipe. Never do that. Our spiritual gifts and our talents are molded together so that God can use them within our vocations. And it's for that reason that I can confidently say that you are uniquely gifted by his spirit, not just for Sunday, but also for Monday, and the primary vocation that God has called you to. 
So as we close out our time together, I just want to add one final thought. And it's this, above all else, above all else, we are uniquely gifted by the Spirit with love. There are two places in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts. He talks about them in 1 Corinthians 12, and he talks about them in 1 Corinthians 14. And sandwiched in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13. And when we often think, we often read a story, we often think, right, the most important thing comes at the end. That's how we often think and read. Well, that's not Paul's writing style. For Paul, the most important thing comes in the middle. And so sandwiched in between these two teachings on spiritual gifts, Paul says something about spiritual gifts that is very important. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 13, the beginning verses in 1 Corinthians 13. They'll be up on the screen behind me. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Friends, our spiritual gifts might change throughout our lives. There might be times when the Spirit is using us in different ways and is working through us, manifesting himself in different ways. Our vocations might change throughout our lives. Different parts of our jobs or our job description or the entirety of our job might change throughout our lives. Our talents might mold and they shape and they shift and they express themselves differently as we grow throughout our lives. One thing will never change. We have been gifted by the Spirit with love. That will never change. And this love from God, unlike things that pass away, it endures all things. It bears all things. It believes all things and it hopes all things. And we might not fully wrap our minds around the spiritual gifts. And that's okay. We can always love. If we want to follow the story of the Spirit, we know he will always lead us into loving others and to loving God. So spiritual gifts are undoubtedly important, but if we don't have love, then we have missed the mark. And so let's pray for the Spirit to guide us in that direction. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we thank you that your scripture is not just black words on white pages, but it's the words of life. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would manifest yourself through us for the sake of those people in this room. That Holy Spirit, you'd be moving us and forming us and working through us so that we can care for and support one another. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in abundance on this place, that we would continue to get more of you. And Jesus, we ask 
that you would continually be present with us through your spirit and we would sense your presence with us even this morning. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And Father, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of your spirit, we pray these things. Amen.